<coughs> We're ripping in. We're live. Welcome to episode 76 of the Jungle Brothers podcast. I'm Joe Worthington, Paul Fertifilli. Hello. And we got Adam Charles joining us today. Whoop, whoop. Uh, it's your second time with us bro it it is yeah if you if you haven't heard the other episode with ads he's my jiu-jitsu coach um so go back and listen to that because it's full of banter largely today is also going to be full of banter we're going to explore the jiu-jitsu realm a little bit the strength conditioning thing uh relevant to jiu-jitsu and how that plays out you know a bit of advice there for combat athletes and people who are kind of looking to do both but we're kind of just hanging out we got cakes we got coffee and cream uh, the coffee's from Panavore. The cakes are from the Bakehouse Coogee shout out from to Clarice. Thank you so much. For hooking us up. Yeah, fucking mad. You would think that um, the staff room of a gym like ours would just be like a piece of roasted meat and black coffee. <laughs> like no carbs, no fats, no gluten, <laughs> yeah. but instead it's always fucking cakes and pies and shit. Hey, on that note, I heard that uh, there's a cafe near here on, on Botany Road. I think it's called uh, Bix. Mm, yes. Something. Yeah. And uh, Alex, you know Alex, uh, who trains with us, Curly, what, who won the the blue belt thing. Yep. He Champion. told me there's a there's a dish on their menu that you designed for them called the Warrior something. Yeah. Is it's it the, true? It's the, yeah. Yeah. No, it's the Warrior box. Warrior box. It's just One like meat, meat and rice, and veggies. Yeah. It's yeah. It's a shitload of veggies. Yeah. Rice and meat. Yep. It's exactly what it is. It's yeah. a choice of protein though. Isn't it's it? great. Yeah. yeah that's choice. what he said. Yep. You could choose yep. salmon Steak, or yeah, whatever. Salmon yeah. or chicken. Yes. Yeah, so but Jake it's and I recommended was, by Jungle Brothers. Oh yeah, it's sick. Jake and I were saying that one bulletproof will have to like start a bit early so we can finish early and go there for lunch to have it. Oh yeah. One day. Yeah. yeah. That is a great idea. Yeah, it's really sick. good. It's actually really good. And I, I like what Bix does because he's like he put they put their own spin on things and they're mostly they're from Nepal. Yes. Bic and the head, the Sugar, the head kitchen guy. So they have like they've got formalized training here and experiencing cafes, but they also have a slightly different take on things because they come from a different culture. Yeah. So the food that they make, similar to Tony's at Cozy Tony yeah. like they come up with this interesting shit and you're like, that's mad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah we've got to hit that up. Yeah, nice. Um, nothing really to catch you guys. Ah, there is two things to catch you up on. I talk about it every week, but the internship starting on 22nd of October. If you want to know more about the coaching thing or you want to develop yourself in that realm, get in touch with us at Jungle Brothers Movement on Instagram or junglebrothers.com uh, on the webpage. Um, but we are also in the process of booking a Persian yoga workshop. And if you're not sure what Persian yoga is, I was about to ask what is Persian yoga? It's <laughs> way fucking cooler it, than it sounds. You do it on a rug. It's you do way it on a rug. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, it's, you do it on Persian. It's yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's the Persian approach to strength and conditioning that they would use for ancient warriors. And they now yes. use it as the strength and conditioning and warm up prep for Persian wrestlers or Iranian wrestlers. Yeah, right. So it involves certain strength implements that we don't have here in the West. And it's tied to this kind of uh, philosophy. It's, it, it dates back to uh, pre-Islam uh, in Iran. So I think it's Zoroastrianism, one of their more, like their earlier religions, uh, which is not, I don't believe it's widely practiced, well, at least not in Iran anymore. Um, but it's, it's this whole world. And there's a fella that I know, Kashi, who introduced me to it. And he's, and he's obviously very passionate. And he wants to come and run a workshop. So I was like, dude, come and run a workshop and take us on this adventure. Yeah, sick. So early November, come and learn to be a Persian wrestler. Wrestler or yoga? 
Wrestler. Oh, wrestler. It's what they use for wrestling. Oh, right. I thought you said Persian yoga. That's workshop. what it's called. Oh, right. Okay. But I guess it, there's a, I don't know what the definition of the word yoga is in that context. Oh, okay. Or, in, or even in like the Indian context of That's very yoga. confusing. But it's probably, <laughs> it's probably like, um, I'm guessing it's maybe something to do with like physical preparation or something like right. rather than like Shadaranga Vasana. So there'll be right. some exercises we'll be scrolling with like that. The apparatus. I mean, I saw the meals. The meals? Yep. The yep. big type club looking things. I also saw on the dude's Instagram, like the kind of piece of wood that they do push-ups and stuff on. Push-up board. Push-up board. Yeah. So is the workshop going to have a bit of that plus wrestling? No, it's not going to have any of the wrestling. Okay. Um, it's just going to be, I think it's largely going to be centered around the, using, pardon me, the meals. Mm. Um Can you, the, the what? I don't know what. They use, have you seen a, uh, what do they call them? Uh, club bells you've seen a club belt it's like a it's an exercise implement and it's kind of like a short baseball bat okay oh yeah and yeah, so yeah, you yeah, do yeah. shoulder kind of rotations <laughs> yeah, and stuff yeah, yeah. so that was adapted from this implement which is called a meal m-double-e-l right okay uh, which is a hardwood object same kind of same idea but much wider and it comes it's got a, a small hand at the bottom yeah. and they're really big so a 10 kilo one is like that big Wow. And they're really awkward to deal with. And so they use those, they clean them, and then they have all these exercises that they do right. to strengthen and stabilize the shoulder and the torso. And, and that's just one of, I think, the four key implements they use. Mm. But the other ones are a little bit more abstract. So the meals, I think, I think that they've got a bit of popularity in the West because you can, uh, you know, if you come from a, an exercise background, you can see them and go, yeah, that's, I can yeah. see the benefit of that. Yeah. It has a bit of universal use. Whereas a couple of the other implements, like they have this bow and arrow type stainless steel contraption, which is essentially a big steel bow and a heavy chain. And they use that for overhead preparation. You're probably not going to buy one of those. Yeah. But I would definitely get a fucking couple of meals because I, I really enjoyed throwing those things around. Remember the yeah, Flintstones? Cool. I was about to say, it's like, like bam, your, bam, Yeah, it's like your club. inner, you know, rings to your inner Flintstone <laughs> childhood. That's right. Yeah. Bam, yeah. bam. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, what's been going on with you, Ads? Give us, tell us, tell us who you are, just, you know, for people who might only be meeting you, unfortunately, for the first time. <laughs> Catch up. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, obviously it's on the other podcast, but just, yeah, briefly. Um, Adam Childs, uh, owner with my wife, um, Hanada of Alliance Sydney Jiu-Jitsu. I'm a black belt under Fabio Gogel, who's the head of Alliance. If you're not familiar with the Alliance Jiu-Jitsu team, they're a, 25, 26 year old team and they uh, have 12 world titles, most successful team in the history of the sport. And um, yeah, we've been open now two years in Rose Bay, survived the ongoing pandemic. Yes. Yes. Without having to, <laughs> to shut down. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much I am in terms of what's going on. When, when was I last on here? Was it like mm, early last this year? year? Last, last year. It's probably last year sometime, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, since then, I don't know if a, a lot has happened. Like the only main thing I, I, I had on the cards really, I mean, I don't know if we talked about, you know, my son on the last podcast, I can't remember, but obviously just being a dad takes up a lot of time, you know. Um, but the only main thing I had coming up was preparing for the subversion fight that was supposed to be on May something, May 10th. But then in March, when the lockdown happened, obviously the fight got cancelled. So all that preparation kind of just got put towards um, 
improving my couch sitting mm, abilities. Mm, and, you know, I mean, similar to a lot of people, like, you know, what was happening? Well, not a lot, you know, tried to take a physical business like a gym to an online business to try survive the lockdown, you know, very similar. Well, I actually used a lot of Joey's guidance to, to help me prepare that, you know, so <laughs> similar to what you guys did, had to take everything online, right? Um, but then we opened back up Again, I think the same time you guys did, or maybe you guys opened a week before. I can't remember. I think we probably opened up before you a week or two before, but we, you we had couldn't, no contact. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But our JITS program opened the same day. As yeah. Yours, so think. we didn't bother opening until we could have full contact, <clears throat> which was <clears throat> July 1st, I think, from memory. <clears throat> and then it's been good since then. It's been, you know, about uh, trying to recover all those students that were, yep. you know, that disappeared or obviously ha didn't have a gym to come into. So, you know, trying to recapture a lot of those students, um, you know, and obviously, unfortunately, some never came back, which I'm sure happened to lots of gyms, you know, but majority of our students came back and ones that we didn't have come back have been replaced by new students that we now have. We have a whole bunch of new guys that even the, the regular people who, who train like you know, such as Joey, but who's not in as often as normal due to his ACL, will come in and see fresh faces that he's never seen before. Mm. Um, yeah, so the, the the return has been good. And then more recently, yeah, we had a really cool internal competition in the gym last last week, which I'm not a fan of internal competitions, but... Why not? I think, like, because when you... I think if you train appropriately, like with your, if you train hard enough with your training partners, like you don't, you don't need to compete against them. And the problem with internal competitions, I think is it's very easy to, you know, to cross that line and to, to upset someone. And I'm not saying that you need to like, oh man, you got to protect everyone's feelings in jujitsu. But when you compete, you know, there's a misconception that people think jujitsu is like the gentle art and it's really soft and stuff. And I, <laughs> I get that, you know, but just because there's no striking in it doesn't mean that it can't be super aggressive and incredibly uncomfortable and you can grind your forearm across someone's face yeah. and like all this nasty stuff that, you know, you don't really want to do to a training partner. You know, it's, it's still a combat sport. And, you know, let's say we were training boxing or something, and then you have an internal competition with your training partners who you train with on a daily basis and who you don't want to get injured because then you have no one to train with the next day or week. And then we're doing an internal boxing competition and I'm like, I'll just gently try to knock Joey out. Like, <laughs> that's not how it works, right? So sometimes, you know, I mean, that's an extreme example, but, you know, to some degree, it's the same for jujitsu. Sometimes to get the submission, you know, or to win the fight, you have to be like, like it's a fight. Bit of yeah. an asshole. You know, there's a, psycholo yeah, you have to there's be a, a psychological, psychological game going in there. And often you're trying to, you're trying to dominate and alpha that person. And like, I know that happens a lot with sparring, uh, when you're, you know, you're uh, cornering someone and they're covering up and you're striking, like you can break someone's will like that. Exactly, and, right? And but that is a that is a, a trait and that is one of the weapons that you can use against yeah, someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you may not, you know, that against not a, a teammate one. doesn't sort of feel great, no, you know, like breaking drown the will yeah, of, yeah. of a teammate. You know, because, okay, like 
maybe you might have like a core group of students or something that are that are all cool with that and sign off on that but that's like a very small amount of your students right mm. like the average student doesn't have that inside them the average student if you break their will you know that might be enough for them to you know to quit the sport or to I you know this shit yeah right <laughs> why am i paying for this right you know the the average student doesn't compete at that level you know or that intensity so having said all that, you had one anyway, and there are lots of positives that come out of for sure. I mean, comp. like we had one because there's there's no competitions happening in New South Wales, right? So it was like, well, why not? We've also got like a, a group of uh, more beginner students, so we thought this is a good chance for them to get an idea of how a competition works, you know. So then when they go do a regular competition, it's not a hundred percent brand new, uh, so they could learn the point system and all that. Um, and it was also just an excuse to get everyone together and catch up uh, post lockdown. But I did premise like the competition with like going back to saying about breaking someone, you know, at the start, I said, guys, go more intense than you would in day to day training, but not as intense as you would in a competition. You know, these are still your training partners who you want to train with tomorrow or next mm. week. Mm. You know, when you when you sign up for a competition, it's, it doesn't matter that it's a stranger, but it's normally a stranger. And you, you and that person have both signed a waiver. You've agreed to like step on the mat to compete in a combat sport and their physical well-being, you know, to put it blunt, bluntly, is not your concern, right? Of course, you know, you don't want to hurt them. You don't want to break their, their arm or something, but, you know, it's their responsibility to defend themselves and, and tap, right? Mm. But when it's a training partner, it's like, ah, you know, let's keep it below competition intensity. And I mean, there was one fight in particular where, where one of my students had a guy in a, in a really rough position. And, and I knew that this particular student, if he wanted, could have ripped that submission way further and just tore this guy's, uh, his arm or shoulder apart, right? But he didn't you know, because it's a teammate. And I know this particular student that he could have if he wanted to, you know, if it was a competition, but it's yep. a teammate, you know, and, and then he lost the fight, which is fine. It doesn't matter, right? It's an internal competition, right? But so it went really well, I think, because we've got such a, a good group of students who are super responsible, you know, that no one got hurt other than guys complaining about muscle soreness, you know, the next day, because you do use a different level of intensity, right? When you're, when you're competing, and especially when you're on the clock, that's something that we don't realize as well. You know, when, um, mm, mm. when you go, okay, it's a five minute round, but when you're rolling in day to day, you roll for a five minutes, but then you stop to like tie your pants or, you know, you stop ask a to, question. Yeah. To ask a question or to move away from the wall. But when it's a competition in every pause, the time has stopped. Like it's a real five minutes of competing and dudes were gassing hard, but it was good. There's, um, you mentioned the, the, when he, when he didn't, he could have pushed the submission further and destroyed the dudes, um, destroyed the shoulder or the arm. And I was just thinking for folks out there who don't, who don't know the art, maybe they see it. I, I remember I used to have kind of a misconception that almost like from the Van Damme movies and stuff, whereby you would, uh, I don't know if you ever remember like, um, in hard target Van Damme, like grabs a guy's arm and like breaks it over his shoulder and like it inverts, <laughs> yeah, 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 you know? Yeah. And the guy's like, ah. And um, <laughs> I used to think that that's what would happen in jiu-jitsu. Like if, when you like go too far tap. with a submission. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
and I guess just to give people a more realistic impression is that it doesn't actually happen like that. You don't, you generally don't see a limb or a joint go in the wrong direction. Fall back on itself. No, yeah, it has like, to be just, quite a severe injury. Yeah, just it'll, it'll, it'll go to where it, its end range is and it'll stay there for a little bit. And then the person who's in it, like if it goes too far, they'll feel an immense amount of pain and there'll be damage to the joint, but you won't actually see like that mutilation. Yeah, there's usually a lot of, yeah. Before mutilation happens, all the internal tearing your connective <laughs> tissue has of, to of ligaments detach. and tendons and, and stuff. You might get Wait. a dislocate. You could, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. and obviously some some people are way more prone to that. You know, mm. like poor Tom. You know, who who Tom wants to is one of our students who wants to come down to bulletproof. Poor guy has had a um, like for the last five months uh, a debilitating shoulder injury because he was at jujitsu and he heard it by at the end of class walking out of class and like patting a teammate on on the back oh like no. you know to as if to say like oh see you bro and he went like patted the guy on the back and just boom his shoulder went for real yeah that's how he hurt his shoulder jesus poor you know, guy yeah it's amazing when the little injuries happen huh yeah yeah, I really enjoyed the internal comp. I was your, I was yeah, your Yeah, we had Joey, one of the refs. It was awesome. It was a good chance for me to actually look at the rules and learn the rules of jiu-jitsu. You just had to sell it like with confidence. Even if you weren't sure it was two points, boom, if you're confident, no yeah. one doubts you, bro. And you give them that death stare. Like if you fucking dispute my decision, I will wreck you. I remember you can, you can, all of it, you can see all of the other refs that have refed every comp you've been to. And they have that that look of that like blank face. I fucking know what I'm doing, all right. Yeah. Even though they've got yeah. no idea what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was fun, right? That was for me the first uh, time I've ever refed as well. I mean, I've been offered to ref multiple times for like grappling industries and whatever, um, but you know, it doesn't really interest me. It's a, it's a, a lot of work for for not much reward. Um, so I've never even had the opportunity to ref either, but it was fun, you know. Um, but I did find it incredibly difficult to to referee for my own students and not try to coach, like them. coach them and <laughs> cheer them on and be like, "Come on, bro! Like, dude, stand up!" You know. Yeah. Especially when I knew the advice that they needed was so simple, and no one from the crowd was giving it to them. I was like, <laughs> "Someone just needs to yell out, you know, <laughs> break that grip or something," you know. But it was super fun, right, Joey? It was really, really cool. It was a sick um, day. We had, it was later coined the pineapple cup because the winners got a trophy, which was literally a pineapple, right? With the, yep. with the big top on it. Okay. Which was, uh, what was that inspired by? Uh, a student who said he saw it on Reddit and I said, that's good enough for me, right? Pineapple cup, right? <laughs> Instead of- Or oh, like a cup. No, like, like a pineapple. Yes. Like, and it's just called a cup the same way that, you know- you spray painted gold or something like that? No, no, but you know, like you might have a championship like the <laughs> no, jiu-jitsu. It was a literal pineapple. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's it was just, just called like a cup the same way like that you like have a, like yeah, a yeah, 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 yeah. The Wimbledon cup or whatever, right? Yes. Um, You're going to keep that one, pass it on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just becomes like a shrunken head pineapple. Yeah. Um, no, it was cool. Like, because I didn't really want to get medals it wasn't a serious competition mm -hmm. so i was like ah, i don't want to go get medals you know and some of the students were like oh why don't you like give a you know a six pack of beer or something and i was like well after the competition we had like a whole event that was catered with free food and and drinks and everything so I'm not going to give you alcohol when we're going to have a whole catered event yeah, sure. after this it was more the novelty of it you know yeah um 
You know, winner's got a pineapple. It's kind of nice. Pineapple's tropical. Yeah. It seems to be Brazilian. And now, yeah. Fits. And now we've decided we'll do another one. It'll be the banana cup. You get like a banana crown if you win <laughs> instead of a pineapple trophy. And then we can just have different fruit cups. <laughs> and then like, and then like the, if you, you know, then we get the champions of each cup and they fight for a fruit salad. <laughs> I don't know. It was really just for fun, right? While while there was no competitions on and just to get everyone together. Like I really did want to do something anyway um, post lockdown to thank a lot of the, the mm, students mm, who mm. continued to support the gym mm. and who bought into the online program that we did mm, during the lockdown mm. because, uh, you know, we – even though we were offering online content, I said to a lot of students, I understand that this is not a, a just transaction. You mm, know, mm. I understand that what you're paying for this uh, content is, you know, not worth what you're, you're paying, right? Mm. You're, you know, because some of our members chose to continue to pay their, their regular yes. membership, yep. right? And I'm like, you're paying the same that you used to pay to access physical jujitsu classes. Yes. And it doesn't matter how much online content I give you, it's not the same. I wanted right? to ask, like, I'm so glad that you made it through and that your gym's open now and it's raining and everything. It's awesome. What, how did you, what did you do for the, the online offering and- so we did, did like, like, yeah, so jo Joey gave me some advice and we did very similar to you guys where we um, we essentially took the, the complete approach of saying, well, our product has changed. We no longer sell yep. physical jujitsu. We sell online content and we had like, um, you know, so I was constantly recording jujitsu techniques and we were, we were posting them to the members and we had like, um, we did like watch parties where we would like, you know, this was, again, it seems so long ago that like you couldn't be in the same room as people, right? But would like, oh, you know, get together on Zoom and we'll like review and watch jujitsu fights. And um, oh, that's cool. And then we would do like Zoom classes like you guys. And they would like sort of like bulletproof for BJJ style classes because you couldn't really, not many people had a partner to drill with. So we couldn't really do a lot of jiu-jitsu zoom classes but we'd just do like a workout and it was really cool you know it got was it every, every day something kind of five days a week or yeah we had something six days a week yeah <laughs> and then once the restrictions started getting lifted a bit we went from like the zoom classes to then like meeting up when you could then do like uh outdoor boot camps or whatever mm -hmm. we would then do the same workout but we would go meet in a park so then there was a bit of social interaction and cool. you know so um yeah, so it was essentially a very similar program to you guys. Not not to the extent that you guys did. I know that before long, you guys had gone back to having all your classes, the same timetable, but it was yep. just all online, you know? So we didn't get quite to that extent. We didn't offer anything for kids. I know it was perhaps, you know, something that we, we should have done, but I just struggled to find... That extra gear. Yeah, for it to make sense for me to be doing Zoom classes with kids, you yeah. know, like. You're a one-man band as well. Well, I mean, I have a lot of help from Hanada, like behind the scenes that, that people don't, don't see. But you're the one coach. That's right, yeah. In terms of like who's at the gym, like, it, yeah, it's all, it's all me. Like I'm the dude. They're teaching, cleaning mats, tying kids' belts because they don't know how to tie them. I want to ask about that. <laughs> What's it, two years in the business now, Mm. what's it been like um like from you know as a small business operator someone who's growing a gym from from the ground up what's it been like with your training over that time 
uh, like what's happened to my training. Yeah. How do you manage I mean, it's, it? It's had its pros and cons. Obviously, it's uh, like a big con is moving away from Brazil where, you know, I was training with the competition team like five, six days a week, you know, where you're just getting pushed immensely to some extent against your own will. You're just getting pushed so hard constantly you know, to then not have that. And especially in the beginning where you don't, you've only kind of got white belt students. You don't really have anyone to push you physically. It definitely makes you learn much more like you have to start solving your own problems. I think a good analogy is if you're, you know, imagine if you were studying engineering and, you know, for your whole career, you, you know, you were never the lead engineer. And like anytime you had a problem, you would go to the lead engineer of the project or the lead architect or whatever and ask like, oh, what do we do here, you know? But then if you're the lead engineer or you're the lead architect, that decision, like it falls to you to solve that problem mm -hmm. or to sign off on the solution or whatever. So it's sort of similar to that. Like it technically made me evolve much more because I was forced to to constantly salt, work out the solution on my own. I couldn't just, it was much easier in Brazil to turn to Fabio or Lange or whoever and just be like, what do you do here? What do you do in this position? Mm. You know. And then I was talking to Fabio about it a couple of years ago and he said the same thing. He said that, you know, he, some of his top students like Marcelo, Lepri, um, Cobrinha, uh, Malfasini, he said those guys didn't really become like the extraordinary, like they were obviously always very good you know, and for those who don't know, these are like four of the best jujitsu competitors of all time. Um, they were obviously always very good, but it was when they left Fabio's gym and went and did their own thing that they really sort of, you know, Sean. yeah, That's went cool. up that next gear because of exactly that, you know, that you're then forced to, you got to solve your own problems and that mm. pushes you. So it's been great for that. And um, until, until, your moronic training partner blew out your knee. I, I, I had a really, that was me, that was me. But it wasn't my fault, all right, guys? It wasn't my fault. Yeah, just, I one, just one of those things that happened. Hey, you just um, kicked me once. Yeah. We don't kick. We just got frustrated in the roundhouse. Um, you know, obviously, you know, man, like me and Joey have, have crazy good roles that, that are physically push a lot. But um, but again, it, it's it's not the same when you come from, training yeah five six days a week where every single role is you know is the equivalent of feeling like you're doing your heaviest superset or something you know mm. it's not the same like and so that's why when when joey comes in when he's when he's healthy often in the class like joey and i will just do like three or four rounds back to back because it's not like we don't want to train with other other students but we get our best training together Mad. In saying that, that's just part of growing a team, right? Like uh, it's not going to be too long before students like Dan and, you know, Jake when he turns up, right? <laughs> who's Jake? Oh, yeah, yeah, who's Jake? Yeah. <laughs> Shout uh, out, Jakey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ollie and, you know, some of those other guys. It's because obviously you get to a point where it plateaus a little bit, right? So it's not going to be too long until they're catching us or mm. enough on our level where then, you know, you go from having like one or two guys in the gym that can really physically push you to that limit, you know, to then you're like, oh man, I've, I can do like five different roles and every role is, is hard, Yeah, you know? Um, but yeah, it's been definitely harder like with, with, with Joey on the sidelines because we definitely have our best training together. But, you know, 
Is what it is, bro. I, I just, it just forces you to work on something else. Kind of like, like you now coming back with your knee. It's like, okay, I can't do a lot of this position. I'll develop this position. Yeah. Right? So I've had a, a really good opportunity to, to develop a lot more the, the theory side, I guess you could say, of jujitsu. That's cool. cool. And just carry some, carry some quarantine dad belly, you know. <laughs> just makes my side control heavy. <laughs> <laughs> Cake diet. <laughs> What do you find um, in terms of like being the one coach there and, uh, and obviously that's not what you, you always plan to do. Like as you grow, you want to eventually bring more people into yeah, the mix. Sure. Um, it, it, you know, for, for people who are thinking, you know, looking at that, it's like you coach, you coach in the mornings, then you might do some privates in the day and then you got kids in the afternoon, then you got adults in the evening. So your day can be starting at what time is the earliest class start? Well, earliest class is 7. 7 a.m. and then you get out of there what time at night? Like 8.30 or 8 something, th- yeah. So it's, it's pretty full on. Like it's what we used to do as, as coaches in the early days and it's like it's not sustainable. You can do it for, for a while, right? Yeah. And it, I mean it's not even – obviously no matter what, until, until I'm at the point of my career where you're, you're getting to the, the – the retirement side of your career, of course, I'll always want to teach the majority of the classes because I find it bizarre that some gyms, you know, the instructor just wants the the title or the power of saying like, oh, I'm the head coach. But, but I'm they never te- here. But they're, they're never there. They teach like one or two classes a week. Oh, I'm the head coach. I'm like, well, sort of, you know, like I get that if you're towards if you're closer to the retirement side of your career Mm -hmm. i get that right oh man the dude's like been teaching for 30 years he's 55 you know of course he'll forever be the head coach but he doesn't need to teach 50 classes a week right i i I get that so i mean i'll always teach majority of the classes um but it's it's not sustainable in terms of the business you know if you if you're if your business can't survive without you, what happens when you're sick? What happens when, you know, uh, you have a family emergency or whatever, you know, you, to some degree, you have to make yourself replaceable. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, what's that old saying that in- many would argue it's a, it's an obligation as a, if you wish to grow as a business owner, you have to you find ha- a way to make yourself redundant. You exactly right. You have to, you know, like, and, um, but, in saying that, obviously, any small business, you do go through that phase, like you guys were just saying you did. You, Of course, you go through a phase where you are- The linchpin. Oh, yeah, yeah, right? You, it, The business doesn't survive without you. But you want it to be, um, to be self-sufficient, the business, that it can go on more or less without you yeah. to some degree. And then you choose to be a part of it, right? Or you choose to take holidays because you know the business will be okay without you. And- um, you know, we were getting to that point before the lockdown and then obviously, yeah, well, ev- everything took a, a, a step back. But yeah, we did by no means went under. Like we're good and now we're getting back to the point where, you know, there's, it's not public knowledge yet, but, you know, between Joey and I and, you know, and Paulie probably knows as well, there might be, I might have another coach, you know, teaching in the, you know, nearish future, which will allow us to expand on the timetable. Oh, yeah, we're maybe um, not allowed to break that news yet publicly, are we? Yeah, no, so we'll keep it on the down low. A good friend of ours, yeah. we could say, yep. is potentially going to be entering the mix. Yeah, so that will allow allow me to, you know, expand the timetable and, you know, add more classes, but at the same time, you know, make myself more, you know, dispensable, if you know, replaceable, if you will. Um, 
but yeah, I, I look forward to that growth of having, you know, having more people on hand. Like you guys have how many coaches here now? Fuck. Is it 10 of us all up? About that. I think, yeah. yeah. And how, how long, for how long was it just you three? Hmm. It was, um, it was you and T. Me and T. For a, a few years. Where yeah. were you? Okay. It was in the I, film industry. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah I came uh, in three years ago, three and a half years ago. Right, right. Um, yeah, it was you two for a few years and then, yeah, brought in one or two coaches. At, yeah, it was Vic and there was Alan. Um, but yeah. Never say his name again. <laughs> probably only took a small portion of it th- at the time though it was only like kind of relieving 10 percent of yeah, the program yeah, yeah. and it was mainly just the two guys for many years and it wasn't really did until the last few years where we've had some you know solid stable mates here. and did you guys find when you when you got to that point was it like a uh from a business point of view was it okay we have this we have this demand and we have the resources, so we're going to employ a coach? Or was it a bit of, let's put in more class, like a bit more of a field of dreams, build it and they will come. All right, we'll take a bit of a hit paying this coach's salary so we can put in this these new classes, but it's like an investment that will get us more members because we have more classes. Yeah. Was it the- I would say it was, it was a, a bit of both. Right. Because you always like, when we, I think there was a point where we're like, we, we had this gym and we had classes and this is when it was T and I, and then we had classes in the park at Surrey Hills. And I don't remember what the schedule was at our original gym, the outpost, mm. but it wasn't, it wasn't like five, it wasn't like six mornings. I don't think maybe it, no, nah, maybe it was, I think it was, but it was, it was always like, it started lean. So it was like, we got one morning class every day. And like yeah. two evening classes. And so I think we, we got to a point where we we're like, all right, we've got to take this shit seriously. And no one's going to look at a gym seriously as a potential client if it only offers one morning class. Yeah, You've yeah, got to yeah. have a couple of options. And in the evening, you've got to have a few options. So we sort of took that plunge of like, all right, we're going to add another 12 classes to the timetable that people probably aren't going to come to for a while. And yeah. We're paying a coach to cover them. Yeah. Keeping in mind that we ran the majority of everything and we didn't pay we didn't pay ourselves for a long time. So yeah. it was like so it was like, all right, cool, then there's no expense on that um, financially. And then um, and then at the at probably sort of concurrently we had Alan come into the picture and we're like, all right, let's bring this other coach on. And so we sort of did both, you know? Yeah. And it and I would say that we got it to a point where we had some coaches who were taking a, a decent amount of the load off us. Mm. At that point, we started also to be able to pay ourselves a little bit. Um, and so that we're kind of still in that process. We're still talking about adding more classes. Yeah. But at the same time, we're also aware that we've got to keep our expenses down. Mm. So it's like, it's always yeah. this kind of push and shove, like push and pull rather. Yeah. We've got that happening right now the, the, with the digits timetable. Yeah, yeah, that's because you have how many? Like just one a one one a day, right? Two a night, two oh, classes have, a day. Yeah, yeah, every night except for Thursday. There's only one because Fight Factory spas out there. And then you have one Saturday morning. Yeah, yeah. so we want to, you know, we want we want full schedule. We want mornings. We want lunch times. Yeah, all that. <clears throat> yeah, like I mean, 
because my timetable at the moment it has morning, lunch, evenings, but it doesn't. It has evenings every every day, but it doesn't have mornings or lunch every day. Like they're staggered. It's just because I don't have the time to teach all of them. And I mean, sure, I could probably like just grab a random like purple belt student and be like, "Oh, teach this for me." But you know, my my vision for the gym. You know, this, the same way you guys do with your coaches, you have a whole intern program or whatever, you would never just get some random like, oh, wait, oh, you, you've just qualified as a personal trainer and did a week work experience of fitness first. You mm, can coach at Jungle right. Brothers. Like, yep. you know, it's quality over quantity f- for me and as it is for you guys, right? So it's hard to find someone, you know, to just it throw takes in time, as a doesn't teacher. It? Yeah, I yeah. think jiu-jitsu yeah. is a little... Not, you know, I'm not saying it's different to what you guys do, but different to what people might think about employing someone. Mm. It's not as simple to just employ someone to teach jujitsu classes for you. Like one, it's a very niche uh, tool set for someone to have, you know, and then not a lot of people live the jujitsu life. So even even if you have someone who's high enough belt and knowledgeable enough, you know, man, they might have wife, kids, full-time job, they a banker right. or something. Yeah, they don't yeah. have the time to teach nor the desire to teach. Mm. And then when you have people who do have the desire to teach, like you typically can't offer them enough money for them not to need another job, you know? So yes, then they yeah, don't have the time to teach yeah. for you because they're either doing their regular job or their training, you know? And it, so it's very hard to find someone to tick majority of those boxes let alone all of them you know yeah and it's and it's not like it's also to not like your gym has someone who works the front desk Mm. who manages all Mm. the inquiries and the admin and the sales and the the coach just coaches if you coach at your gym and ours too in many ways you have to be able to do all that at the same time like if you have some random walking off the street you know you need that coach you know whoever's coaching for you guys on the ground floor to be the front desk person when that person goes, oh, what's going on here? I wanted to, can I do a try? You know, same thing at my gym. If I'm not there and and Joey's done it for me when I've been off on on to Vegas and stuff, not- He's always going to Vegas. Vegas. (laughs) (laughs) Jiu-Jitsu related trips to Vegas. Um, You know, when Joey's taught for me and, you know, obviously he's has heaps of experience with that. So when people come in, you know how to deal with that. You know, but some of the other coaches who filled in for me while I was away, you know, so it was just a bit of a, a band-aid solution or, you know, people who were covering for me when Atlas, my son, was first born. Mm. You know, they didn't know a lot of that, you know. They would just kind of say like, oh, yeah, cool, Adam will call you tomorrow to sort it out. You know, yeah. so it's super hard to find someone to fill those. But that the the not public knowledge yet, the... I mean, I don't know, good friend of ours, a bit of a stretch. Someone we know, right? Um, you know, that's a really exciting prospect for to potentially have have someone added to the to the team, you know, and to help grow the gym and good help is hard to find. And super hard. You know, what T T was saying something the other week, um, to do with uh, our affiliation and how kind of we're going with our business is um and I think what you were expressing is the same thing, um, especially when your business is small um, or you're at the beginning, the, the first few years, and you're trying to coach up those first few people in your stable. You really want the quality at its highest at the beginning. Yeah. Because yeah. the further and bigger you go, the more there's the chance for dilution on every next level. Yeah, 100%. Mm. So you, yeah. you don't want to just chuck in some purple belt to fill your schedule 
yeah. you know, based off a business decision to just get more people in and offer more so you can satisfy, you know, that timetable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You really want them to be like, yeah, it's, it's you or, or your highest standards. Yeah, and it doesn't, or, you, you know, it doesn't, not. yeah, you got to have your standards and stick to it. It's kind of mm. like if you owned a, a car dealership and you sold Ferraris and you were like, man, the floor's looking a bit empty. Just chuck some Corollas in there just to fill out the showroom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you know, it's like, no, Someone nah, wanted a, a yellow one and we don't have them in yellow, so just chuck in some yeah, yellow Corollas. Yeah, yeah, have. yeah. It's like, you know, it's, well, it's like your quality. It's like, you know, or nothing, right? But that, you know, on the flip side, that's very hard to do and takes lots of time. Time. We, we, made, we made that mistake, you know, in the beginning, I'd say. Not, you know, we had a couple of people that we were like, yeah, engaged with, Without doing the requisite amount of work, like to prepare them and educate them and bring them up to speed on what their what their standard needed to be, and then you know, and then you hear from you know, you hear a story from member. Oh, so and so's class was a bit whatever. Or, oh, so and so said this to me. Is that do you guys agree with that? And you know, and you're like, ah, oh, fuck. Like we've kind of unleashed a yeah. rogue yeah. on yeah. on our crew, and you you know, it's it's so like when you're in that initial phase, you're so tired and you're so like kind of stretched. So we just wanted a morning off. Oh, just fucking one <laughs> just morning. <wanted> like, <laughs> and you get someone that's like, I can take mornings and you're like, oh, amazing, when? Like, He's you really start good, tomorrow, guy. And they're yeah. like, yeah, sure. And you're like, fuck yes, I'm going to get to sleep in until like after 4.45. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, then, um, and then, you know, and then it, you know, it goes on for a couple of weeks and then it's like there people stop coming to their classes and then you start to get negative feedback from the members about it and you're like, why did I, like, why was I so tempted yeah. To let them fucking take that yeah. position. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's never, it's never foolproof, right? Because you could have the perfect candidate and you don't know until they, they you know, go do their own thing, right? Until they're mm. left unsupervised. But I think- uh, You've got you to train them though. You do, right? You've got to give them the, the, that background. I think I really like, if you haven't noticed already, Joey, I really like analogies of a way of <laughs> explaining stuff. I'm still thinking about being an engineer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, again, I think when you're, when you're trying to employ a, a, a coach or train someone up to be a coach or whatever, it's very similar to if you- own a restaurant because there's plenty of people who own restaurants but aren't chefs right but let's say in this case you're mm. the chef as well but you're not the head chef you're trying to train someone up to be the the head chef i think like cooking super similar to jujitsu in the way that you never want to take away the like the chef's individuality and mm. you know and you you want to allow him to put you know his spin on the the dishes or or whatever but at the same time you want to be like bro, this, this is a French restaurant. Like you can do your twist. I'm, I would never want to take away your creativity as a chef, but like you can't make pizza. Like you, <laughs> yeah, can't, yeah. you can't put spaghetti on the menu. Like it's a fre French yeah. restaurant, right? There are you parameters. Be, you know, like, and I think it's the same with a, with a jujitsu jiu coach. Like you'd never want to take away the flair of, you know, what makes their style unique and the way they do things, but you've still got to be, it's still got to be within that mold. It's all things like you guys would know with certain uh, – movements or or exercises that you're teaching like you teach things a certain way for a reason you know mm. and so an example when you're teaching beginners in jiu-jitsu you never teach them combinations and what i mean by combinations if you never teach them like okay we're going to do this then our opponent reacts this way so we do this 
and then they do this, we do this. You never, like, it's too much for them to understand. They don't understand, but why would he do that? Like, it's too advanced. You know, so you teach them sequences. You teach them, like, step one, then you get to this possession, step two, right? You teach them how to get from, like, A to B, right? And because mm. it makes sense to them. So as long as your coach is following, like, the methodology of teaching, you still want them to have what makes them them, you know? Because yeah. otherwise... Yeah, I tell you, like they won't hang around, you know, if you try to tell a jujitsu coach exactly what to teach, like, man, tonight you're teaching, you know, an arm bar and you're teaching it this way and then this technique and then this technique, man, no coach, no jujitsu coach enjoys that, right? Mm. It's like, it's like telling a chef exactly how to, you know, do the dish. It's like, okay, well, if you're like an apprentice, suck it up, bro, do it. But if you're trying to hand over the reins to someone to be like, here's your, you're the head chef, right? Yep. Like create the menu. Oh, no, 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 but not like that. It'll never work. I imagine there's lots of gyms out there that do that in the jiu-jitsu world. Oh, for sure. No Mm. doubt, right? Yeah. And then they're the same gyms that have the guy who is only there once, twice a week, but he's like the head coach. Mm. You know, I know of gyms where the, the coach is never there. He turns up like once every six months for the grading. And he's the head coach. And then people say, I'm a black belt under so-and-so. It's like, you've never even done one of his classes. <laughs> like, like how, how he doesn't like, know your name. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm just going back to, to talking about having to do everything on your own and trying to employ people. Like, yeah, I'm definitely and always will stick to, to like quality over quantity. You know, I don't intend to just like flood my timetable or flood the market with, you know, Subpar jujitsu. No Corollas here, baby. It's the way to go. <laughs> be patient. I got some questions from the from the fans. Can I throw a couple at you? Yeah, bro. One that so came like, through. Is he really a Poindexter? Yeah. Yes. But like, how much of a Poindexter is he? <laughs> One that came through from uh, from Tommy. I don't know Tommy. Is it Tommy Tank Cans? Yeah. No, it's Tommy the Tank. Tommy the Tank. Tommy the Tank. He said, so, "What was Fabio Gagel's pressure like in Brazil?" Dude, so Give us good. a little bit of context like, on that. I remember, did I tell, uh, maybe I told, I don't want to tell the same story if I told it last time about like where he had me under pressure and, and I tapped from it. Did, and he was uh, super disappointed. Yeah, did I tell that story? You would have heard the story. I've heard Jerry. it. I, I think you remember. Is it the one where you teared up? I pretty much cried. Um, lo- lo- I won't go in, long story short, like I tapped when I shouldn't have. Okay. But, um, but yeah. Tom, his, his pressure was like next, next level. It's really hard to describe how, how debilitating his pressure is. I think, the, I think a similarity is if you've ever trained with like a wrestler, like as in a college wrestler, their ability to pin your shoulders, you know, because that's what they need to do to win, right? Uh, it's, it's the ability to put your weight on a dime. And so if if you look at some of Fabio's students, like Langy's a good example. Langy was, you know, a three or four time lightweight world champion. So he's not a heavy dude, but he, you know, he learned how to put pressure on cause he trained with Fabio. And when you can put that like 70 kilos on a dime and it's on the correct dime, that's what makes someone heavy, right? So it's not about how physically heavy someone is. A lightweight can be heavy, but you know, like a simple example is if, if, you know, if I want to turn my shoulders this way, oh, you could put a hundred kilos on the wrong shoulder and I can still turn my shoulders, but put a hundred, you know, put 
20 kilos on this shoulder and it'll mm-hmm. be hard to take turn my shoulders in that direction. So then when you add to that, that Fabio in, in his prime, you know, was 100 kilos or, you know, 95, Dude, so heavy, so heavy. I remember once when I was blue belt, I swept him in and it was like with 10 seconds to go in the round and like the timer went and Fabio was so pissed. He banged to the mat and he was like, fuck, I wasn't counting on that last movement run. Like, cause he ran out of time. He didn't have time to get me back. And I was just like, I'm done. I should just retire. Like, <laughs> that doesn't get any better than that, you know? So Tom obviously knows who Fabio is, but for those who don't, like he's, he's famous for his top pressure and it's, it's, it's just debilitating, you know? It's bizarre how, how he can be so, so heavy. Luckily mm. now he's uh, more or less retired. I don't have to experience that squash anymore, you know. You've adopted mm. a bit of that. So you like the heavy I, I top pressure, don't you? Yeah, and it's also like, and you've seen it, Joe, like when I teach the, the shoulder pressure, there's technique behind it as well, right? There's a difference between shoulder pressure and, and just cross-face pressure. So uh, there's technique behind being heavy as well. But, um, but yeah, the, I think the ability to put your weight, like all of your weight on such a focal point you know, is what makes someone super, super mm. heavy. Yeah. And so, like, you know, I think you could be, describe his style as smothering would be, a, you know, it's heavy, but I think a good way to think about it as well is that it's just smothering. Yeah. You know, you're just getting smothered the entire time. You can't do anything. <sighs> He's old now. Don't worry about it. <laughs> behind him. Uh, I've got another question here. I'm going to keep these ones anonymous. Um, dealing with burnout. And what to do when you feel like you're stuck in your progression? This is this is for more of an advanced practitioner. Yeah, for jujitsu. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, for sure, it happens to everyone because it's such a long term journey, and it's very easy to to not see your progress because the easiest people for you to compare yourself to are your training partners who are also progressing. Um, for me, what I found works the best to not burn out is is I'm constantly changing what I do. Of course, if I'm competing, I have like my A game that I'll fall to and not fall to, I would have prepared, you know, that that A game for that particular competition. But if I'm just training, for me, I treat it like the same way. Let's say if you're playing a video game, let's say you're, I don't know, whatever, like you're playing Street Fighter or something. I feel I'm still like- still in the yellow Corolla. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, you know, you burn out if you just play that that same character in that same game hour after hour, day after day. It's like, man, like if you pick a different character, it's like a whole new game all of a sudden, yeah. you know? So for me, uh, you know, the way I avoid burnout is I'll try something for a while and then I try something new because I enjoy it. Like it's so easy to forget that we do jujitsu because we enjoy it. You know, and I actually try to avoid doing my A game unless I'm preparing for a competition. And like a, a good example is Bernardo. Bernardo Faria was the same as well. He almost never did his A game in the gym, man. Like he just, like he trained super hard, but he almost never did it. And then when it was comp time, it was all deep half guard over under pass, you know, but in the gym, he was so dynamic and, you know, was so open in his training. And I, I try to do the same. I have fun. You know, I do what I think is fun you know, within the, the, the rules of the sport of jujitsu, unless I'm preparing to compete. When you're preparing to compete, man, sometimes you just have to suck it up. Like it's like no one really enjoys a fight camp, right? Like yeah. not many, like 
MMA fighters go, I love the grind of an eight-week fight camp. No, it's like punishing, bro. So if you're at that advanced level of, of competing, man, it's going to be hard. There's no, there's, no, you, there's no way for it not to be hard. Yeah. But in day-to-day training, man, you got to have fun. If you're having fun doing bolos, man, you might suck at them, but just do them. Who cares if someone else takes your back or you get passed? Like, it doesn't matter. Like, you're doing the sport because you enjoy doing the sport, you know? Like um, some people go surfing even when there's no good waves just because they enjoy like splashing around in the water with their board. Like they, they do it because it's fun, right? So you've got to find the fun to, to not burn out, right? And I, I even do the same approach with, um, with, with lifting, right? Like I don't, me personally, I don't particularly enjoy lifting as in weightlifting very much, probably because I'm so bad at it, but I don't, I don't enjoy it the same way some people do. Some people enjoy lifting, like they, they love it, right? Mm. I do it because it helps my jujitsu. But then when I'm going to lift, because I don't enjoy it as much, I do lifts that I think are fun. I enjoy deadlifts, right? So I kind of like, you know, try to do the parts of middle ground. Yeah, because otherwise if I'm just doing like, you know, what is on my program, I find it really hard and not super enjoyable and that's when I burn out and don't want to do it. Mm. So long story short, Mr. Anonymous, you got to find the fun, bro, to open some lapels, play some top game, whatever, you, whatever you're having fun with, man. Flying triangles. You know. I like that. I've got, a, I've got a, an, a, a, an opinion on it, which is a bit counter, but I find it complimentary because it's talking from my perspective with what I went through with jujitsu, which is that um, I got my brown belt five years ago this week. Did you know? This week, five years? Yeah, I think it was on Monday as it popped up on my Facebook. It's like five years ago. Have you been on your toes yet in closed guard? Because, you know, that's the... (laughs) (laughs) I'm against that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so um, this is maybe a relevant thing for some people is to think that I've had my brown belt for as long as it took me to get to brown belt. Mm. Like I can't remember, maybe it took me five, it probably took me five years to get there, right? So when I got it, I was already at a stage of burnout and not really, I wasn't really enjoying it all that much. And it also coincided with us opening the gym. So I just took a break from it for a couple of years. Um, And then I started training at another gym for a while and was having a good time, but I wasn't progressing with it at all. So I was kind of stuck in this, this progression thing totally. And then I started training with you, Ads. We became mates. I started training with you. And then that's when it all changed for me. So, you know, I'm grateful to you for having kind of rekindled my my passion for the sport and my interest in it. Um, and it's kind of black and white how I feel about it now to how I felt about it then. At that point, I was like, maybe I'm just going to give it away and I'll just be a brown belt forever and that's sick. Whereas now I'm like, no, I, I'm definitely going to get a black belt and I'm definitely going to continue pushing mm. with this. When anyway, you Sorry to interrupt, Joe. Yeah, it's interesting because I guess I answered Mr. Anonymous's question just assuming that everything else was fine. And I guess because for me it was, you know, like I've only had two gyms in my life. The, fir- the first gym I started at when I picked up jiu-jitsu in Canada and then Fabio, right? So I've only ever been at two gyms and both were fine. Obviously, Fabio was where, I, where like I found my home. So I just assumed everything was right. But yeah, I guess what if the you know mr anonymous's situation is similar to like what yours was is he burning out because to put it bluntly he's at a not the best gym for him you know maybe it's a great gym but it's just not maybe it's not very conducive to the way he learns and he progresses because every Mm. coach teaches different and you could be the best coach in the world some people aren't going to like to learn from 
they're not going to like your style of teaching. You can't make everyone happy and that's fine. So maybe the gym he's at's fine, but maybe it's not right for him. Or yeah. maybe, unfortunately, he is at a bad gym. He's not getting the attention he needs to progress. Uh, he's not getting pushed appropriately by his coach in, in a good way. You know, maybe he's not getting treated properly at, at his gym, you know. So I guess, you know, if everything's fine at his gym, then I guess my original point I still stick to, man, you got to find the fun. And I guess that's true anyway. But yeah, if there's other factors to consider, like the situation you're in, Joey, then you've got to look at that, man. And that goes back to, again, we might've talked about it last time, or Joey's heard me rant about this. I find it ridiculous, the people who, uh, who like feel like they owe something to their gym or that their gym owns them. And I know so many people that hate the gyms that they're at and don't leave because of like loyalty and whatever. And it's like, man, it's ridiculous. Like I get Social that. Social pressure. But you don't owe your coach anything. I get that you build camaraderie with them, but, but man, like you pay them money for a service, you know, and if they're not providing that service, off you go, man. Like find somewhere else to train. But really though, stay Jungle Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jungle yeah, Brothers yeah, for yeah. life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no matter what. <laughs> you owe me, kids. But you know what I mean, right? So as a as a uh, as an idea though that I was going to get to with that that idea of like the black and white feeling for me was that um, prior to for a long period at the gym that I was at up to Brown Belt and then the gym that I went and trained at when I had my Brown Belt where I wasn't making any progression, I was never actively involved in a coaching relationship. So there was no, there was essentially like I was just turning up and doing whatever I did. So I was expressing bad habits, like in terms of my technique, I was making silly mistakes and the same mistakes all the time. And there was no one that was like, man, why do you keep doing that fucking thing? Whenever the person does X, you need to do Y. And like coaching me, right? Like giving me those Mm. little things Mm. that make me better. <clears throat> which is what I got with you. You were like from day one, you're like, bro, you need to do this. Man, bro, if you, you remember, stop doing that. like I remember it vividly, like when we first rolled, like when, um, so Joey and I met through a mutual friend, uh, JT, who's the other half, or, or James is the other half of Bulletproof. And I, James and I know each other from Brazil. And so James introduced me to Joey because James lives in Melbourne. And he was like, man, <clears> if you're not training with me, like strength, and conditioning stuff. If you're not training with me, you've got to train with Joey. And that's how we met. And I remember when Joey and I first rolled, it was when we, James and I came in here and we rolled some no-gi. It might've even been that very first day. I like in a very nice way was just straight up like, bro, your X card's trash. Like, why do you keep doing this? You keep doing this. Like what? Stop doing like, you know, and, and we, you know, it wasn't as simple as that. We explained like why, you know, why you need to be doing it. Not like that because you're creating this problem and you should be positioning your hips here, blah, 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 blah. And man, and you know, now when you and I roll, like I'm, if I end up in your X guard, I'm in heaps of trouble, you know, whereas when, in the beginning, it was just like cake. I passed your X guard so easily all the time. And I would just let you pull X guard and it was just a free pass to side control or mount. Whereas now I actively avoid getting in your X guard because when you get X guard on me, I'm then in heaps of trouble, right? It's improved so much and it wasn't a lot we had to change about it. You know, it was just some, which, you know, I guess, yeah, if you weren't getting any of that coaching and I really try to coach each student individually, you know, um, obviously when you're teaching a group class, you've got to just, 
you know, teach whatever you're teaching. But if you have that one student, and I, I know you guys do this too, if you're teaching whatever and you have that one student who, for whatever reason, like they're doing the deadlift and risk pull, putting their back out because they're missing a detail on the technique, you're going to go help that one student mm. you don't have to stop the whole class right you know mm. and i try to do the same thing right try to really help each individual student because everyone has their own problems you know especially in something as dynamic as jujitsu where not everyone has the same range of motion in their their limbs and you know or in their joints and whatever not everyone moves the same so people have different problems and you got to find different solutions or you have to give them the tools to find their the solutions for their own problems i think that there's a there's an equal part, like I think that I'm fortunate to have to have uh, started training under you for that. But then I think that there's also an equal uh, onus on the student to seek the information. I 100% agree. Where it's like, where it's like after class or in class, like, man, what am I, what am I doing wrong here? How come I keep getting caught in this? How? And so it's just engaging in that coaching process. Yeah, and but it's the right coach and the right student, and it's like, okay, now you're in an environment that can foster your growth because yeah. both parties are, are committed to the development. Yeah. And obviously different people get into it for, for different reasons. And, you know, if you just, some people get into, you know, jujitsu offers so many positives, you know, uh, that some people get into it solely for like the social aspect, right? Which is fine. Like jujitsu can offer you that, right? So they might not actually really care that much about their progression. They're just in it for the social aspect. And that's, that's cool, right? You know, you may never get a black belt, but you know, that's cool that you're getting out of jujitsu what you want. But if you're really wanting to progress and I go off on another, I should just call, I should just be called analogy Adam, I guess, <laughs> you know? Um, and cause I've got, I've had some students that when they have a problem that's specific to them, they then come to me saying like, you should do a class where you teach this, right? And of course that problem probably gets taught at some stage, but it's kind of like if you're, you know, if you're at uni. Here we go. Yeah, here we go, right? Because the joke in jujitsu, right, is that you can be, become a doctor quicker than you can get a black belt, right? It right. takes years to get mm. to get a black belt. And it's like if you're at uni studying I'm whatever. I'm still playing Street Fighter, but yeah, 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 you're still playing Street Fighter. <laughs> I'm yeah. splashing around in the surf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like if you're at uni studying whatever, let's say to be, to be a doctor, and the only time you you like switch your brain on towards medicine is when you're at uni and in class, man, you, you're probably not going to pass and become a doctor, right? Mm. You don't think like med students or lawyers or any university student mm. isn't having to study in their own time. And are they given what to study? Sometimes, but sometimes like, you know, you and I are both at med school, but I have... Problems at lunchtime, yeah, yeah. <laughs> baked all the time. You know, maybe I struggle memorizing like the names of you know the different bones in the body, right? But you got that day one, and you're struggling with you know what causes such and such. Does it you know? So you're going to go off and fix that on your own, study that. I'm going to be trying to memorize the names of the bones, you know. And it's the same for jujitsu. If you're own, if you really want to progress, and you're only focusing on it like when you're at class mm, doing mm. what the teacher's telling you to do and you're not taking any initiative on your own mm. to, to improve your knowledge, man, your progress is going to be super slow, you know, and you're probably not going to like pass that test that comes at the end of your, end of your studies. 
you know? And so now I've got, you know, it's starting to change in my gym because I've been hammering on about that for a little while. I've got now two, two white belts, actually, Dave and, and Sagi, who every Friday they come get the keys off me for the gym because the gym isn't, my gym isn't like this one where there's usually someone here most of the time. I'm kind of only there when it's, when it's open, when there's a class on, right? Mm-hmm. But people are free to use the mats. They just got to let me know, you know? So now these guys get the keys off me like every Friday or like I just go and open it up. They go in, drill, work on whatever they want to work on. And they, you know, and that's exactly what that's I want to cool. see students doing. You know, like actually had a dig at some of my students the other night. And I know you've spoken about this, Joey, how like when you're, when people are before class, you like to see them like taking the initiative and warming up, doing their monster walks or whatever it is before class on their own without being told to, right? And I had the other, the other day where I was in the middle of class and someone came in like to make an inquiry. So like you said, I'm the front desk guy too. So I kind of just left the class for a minute to go talk to this guy. And then instead of the guys just like keep doing the repetitions of the technique, like once the timer stopped, they all just sat around and waited for, waited for me to come back. And I was like, and when I came back, I was like, oh, good to see you guys like kept practicing while I was gone. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was like, you're not being punished, bro. Like you're here to learn. Like yes, why not just yes. take the extra minute that you've got yes. and keep, you know, or, pe- or people look at the timer, you know, we often do like three minutes each and they look at the timer and there's like 30 seconds left and they stop already. But you can fit in like three more reps, bro. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you're like, oh, 30 seconds to go, you know. It's uh, not worth it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not worth another rep. Yeah. <laughs> How about that pineapple cup? Yeah. <laughs> I got a couple more questions. Um, what advice do you have for white belts who are struggling to find what works for them? I mean, white belt's a super early part, in, a super early point in your jiu-jitsu career to, to n- develop your own style or to, to find what what part of jujitsu you like. I think a good thing to focus on is understanding your guard a little bit more because it's the less intuitive part of jujitsu. You know, that's why some gyms tell white belts in the beginning, just like, you know, take them down, stay on top, you know, because it's much more intuitive to think like be on top of someone and hold them down. You know, if, if all else fails and you don't know what to do, just be on top. Right. So then white belts are left without any sort of guard development for quite a while. So they kind of are not even given the opportunity to see if they enjoy playing guard, you know? Um, so I think, mm-hmm. and then to elaborate on that, the, the way jujitsu is nowadays, it's all about open guard, you know? So when I say guard, I really mean you have to learn to be comfortable to have open guard and not just instantly get past right? And then from there, like once you're comfortable there, you're going to be able to develop from that. Once you're comfortable in not getting past as soon as your guard opens or not getting past when you fail a sweep or, or fail a submission, you then get comfortable to attempt stuff. Whereas if you're still at the point where every attempt is met with a guard pass or getting submitted, you become very hesitant to try anything because everything I've ever tried is, you know, has failed. Get punished. Right, but you kind of have to take a step back and, and look at a bit of like guard retention and some some core principles to be able to you know the same way a boxer learns how to throw a punch that might miss but doesn't result in them getting knocked out. Right, mm. you know, imagine if every punch a boxer missed meant they got punched in the face. Mm. You know, mm. like okay, sometimes that point. happens, but it's not the reality of the fight. And um, you know, 
just to, to sum that up, I think white belts, if you're not given the opportunity to see if you enjoy guard, you're going to be felt a bit lost as to, man, do I enjoy passing? Because that's a very easy way to split it. Do you enjoy passing or do you enjoy playing guard? Once you've decided that, you know, okay, I enjoy passing. All right. Do you enjoy pressure passing? You know, do you like the slow grind or are you a smaller agile dude and you want to look towards a more agility based passes? So, I mean, I would think that's a, oh, like quite that. a broad question, but if you're not given the opportunity to experiment all the different aspects, you know, all with air quotes, right? How are you supposed to make an educated decision about what you sort of want to pursue? Next question is, what's his opinion of this mullet? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that from? There's someone I know. Walshy. No, you Walshy. don't know Walshy. Fucking mullets, bro. <laughs> I'm actually like... Uh, is uh, is like be honest. Is this public knowledge? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, well, it's not, but it, you know, it is. Well, it's not like yeah. hidden. It's not secret anymore. I'm actually like looking forward to. I hate mullets. They're ridiculous. They're stupid. Bang. I hate, hate them. And Joey knows As a it. previous owner Joey, of a mullet. Joey, no, <laughs> yeah. So we were talking about like horrible haircuts as kids, and what was it like? Uh, I, I said some, someone, we're, we're you said group, you had a rat, tail, and I right? said, oh, I had a. A rat tail. No, Ads is like, oh, I had a, I had a mullet once. Did you know? And we were all like, oh, that's so funny. He's like, yeah, it was shocking. And then I was like, bro, I had a fringe. And no, I was no, telling, first, I said I had had a rat tail. Is what right? Like, is someone. Oh, so, but I was oh, like, man. bro, I had a fringe. And then Ads, and everyone was like, oh. And then Ads is like, all right, I actually wasn't going to tell you guys, but I had a mullet and a fringe at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Oh. But I'm actually looking forward to like. In 10 years time, whatever it is, maybe it's 5, 10, 15, 20 years time. And we look back at photos of you holding your newborn baby with a mullet and like, and then, you're, and then your son or daughter's there going like, dad, I can't believe you had a mullet. And then even when you're going, I know, Ads told me to get rid of it. And I'll be like, bro, it looks so ridiculous. What were you thinking? <laughs> so what's your opinion of it? It's terrible. <laughs> what was it? So it was actually perfectly timed the other day in the gym, like, uh, what'd they say? Uh, I was like, oh guys, don't, don't let Joey's mullet fool you. He's actually a pretty bright guy. And Joey, <laughs> and Joey didn't hear me and he turns around and goes, what? <laughs> Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dog. Um, I got a couple more questions, if we may. Shoot, shoot. How do you go about rolling with much lighter opponents um, without giving too much of your game up? So I think the context here is like, uh, this is from someone who is, who's trying not to just use all of their weight and strength against someone that's smaller, but then they end up just being shit at jujitsu and letting a smaller person smash them, smash them. So how do you, how do you go about that? Cause we've had this chat that's as a good question as bigger individuals. Yeah. I mean like I'm pretty staunch. Yeah. No. <laughs> how um, tall are you? Uh, six, four, six, so four. like one, one ninety four. One ninety four centimeters. Yeah. yeah. For the people who. And over a hundred. I would be, yeah, I'd probably be a hundred right now. Yep. I mean, I used to, I used to compete at 88 in the gi, which means 86 kilos without. And then more recently now, like before the, <laughs> before the, the lockdown weight, I would compete at 94. And now I've sort of just stayed in dad bod mode at a hundred, like a healthy hundred, I think. Yeah. Festively plump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, again, it's, it's a slightly broad question because it depends on like 
Some people have like a big person game because they don't have another option. And what I mean by that is if you have a big person game because you're for like, you know, like short and kind of overweight and everything, you might not have a lot of options other than having that like top heavy half guard or like bottom half guard game where, you know, you sweep someone with good hip mobility or or whatever, right? You don't have the mobility to start, you know, inverting Mm -hmm. and all that's that part of jujitsu. So, but let's imagine that that's not the case, right? Let's imagine you're able to, to move a bit more dynamically and you want to train with a lighter person, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you just got to focus on some of the, fi- the, the finer details, you know? So if I'm training with someone light and I want to do, let's say, a particular sweep that typically might require quite a bit of like explosive strength to do if like Joey and I were training together, and it's like, man, to hit this against someone who's, you know, within the the same realm of weight you know more or less it's going to be requ- yeah it's going to require like a mass amount of like strength and explosion which there's nothing wrong with that by the way that's totally that's an aspect of a combat sport but if i'm training with like a 50 kilo uh guy or you know even some of the girls i'm just going to shift my mindset a little bit and be like okay well for this to work it needs to be timed perfectly you know so then i'll take away the sort of explosive strength aspect of it and focus a little bit more on making sure, man, are my grips 100% set? And am I timing that on the exact moment that like I've, you know, shifted their base to whatever leg and then boom, you know, and hit the sweep, you know? So I'm focusing a little bit more on like, you know, changing, taking out like one attribute to put in another one, if you know what I mean. But still adhering to... the quality and the execution of the technique. Yeah, for sure. Right, but just not backing it up with all of your might. Yeah, but like I, uh, you know, I will finish that point with saying that there is, of course, if you're the 100 kilo guy training with the 50 kilo, you know, girl, right? You have to take that into consideration and, you know, you're not going to use all your weight or your strength because it's just not, you know, it's not super nice thing to do. But if you just have a, a slightly different weight advantage or whatever with a training partner who you, you can still train hard with, there's nothing wrong with using like your size and strength. It's an attribute that you have. And, you know, complaining about someone, oh man, you, you know, you're just so strong there or whatever. Like it's kind of like complaining if a small person is really agile and really fast. Oh, you only beat me because you're fast. Well, I mean, yeah. I'm fast, you mm. know, what are you going to do about it, right? Mm. Like, it's a good point and, they have. And because that, that mm. argument can be made even within the same weight division, right? There's like guys in the 88 kilo bracket, some that are like, you know, maybe a bit like taller and agile and then you've got like short, stocky, strong dudes, right? And you use what you have against your opponent, right? And you have to make that court, you have to match that up. And sometimes you're... Sometimes even if you have a strong person game, sometimes in the particular matchup, you're, you are the small agile person. And then all of a sudden you have to you know, adapt a small agile game because then you're, you're used to being the stronger person. Then like, oh man, now I'm, I'm actually mm, the weak mm, person. Yes. Like, yeah, I'm pretty tall, but I've fought guys taller than me. And then I have to like be like, okay, man, you don't have a leverage advantage. You don't have a reach advantage here. You're now the short guy. 
Yeah. Mm. So you got to fight like a short guy, mm. right? So there's nothing wrong with using your your strength, but if you if you if the point this guy's making is to how do I train with that lighter partner without hurting them and making sure I'm still progressing my jujitsu, yeah, take out the strength attribute, put another one in, you know, like ideally you have all the attributes. But take take out the strength aspect, put in timing, put in like, is my, you know, are my grips perfect, you know, and mm. make it work. I like that. Uh, what would you do for the opposite? So uh, for someone who is, when you're a smaller person and you're rolling with someone who's much bigger and heavier than you, um, and, it's, and, and when that person just tries to muscle you. Yeah, so you've got to be, um, you know, uh, you have to be like the almost something out of a cartoon. Like if you think of a cartoon where you've got um, like a massive ogre, the big guy will be the ogre in this situation. And then you've got like the hero who's a little dude who's like, you know, running around on his back and the ogre's trying to claw him off his back and can never catch him. And the ogre starts punching himself in the face, right? You have to be super <laughs> dynamic and super fast because that's, that's an attribute that – that your opponent doesn't have. And even if you're the little fast guy who may be very strong for your size, you're not as strong as the big guy. So you can't, if you watch any absolutes where it's like a little guy, like a massively different like uh, matchup, you never see a little guy sort of, you know, mounting a big guy and holding mount. Like, because he can't, like he can't, he physically can't. Like the guy will just bridge and roll him, you know? Like it's just not yeah. possible. You have to be that that little guy that when he tries to bridge him out, boom, you duck around to his back. When you can't hold him down in side control. So when he turns into you to escape side control, you go around north, south to the other side of side control or to the back again, right? So you, because like I said, that's an attribute that he doesn't have. You mm. have to, like you can't, you almost can't be stationary to it to an extent. Yeah, right? not a hundred percent can't be stationary because you need to consolidate positions, but mm. don't think no matter like if there's a massive size difference, you're not going to be able to hold them down. It's just the reality of it. Like you won't be able to. I don't care. I don't care who you are. If you could be like Malfasini, put Malfasini on top of like, you know, Bushesha, or put Malfasini on top of Brock Lesnar, and like man, those dudes are getting out. Right? Mm, there's mm. no way Malfasini's holding them down. Right? But you know. If he doesn't think about holding him down and thinks about as soon as he moves, I'm going to duck around to the back before he even knows it. It'll be like he teleports there. And I mean, and I've rolled with Malfasini and he literally teleports. <laughs> What's <laughs> he weigh? Dude, he fights um, rooster weight. So that's like, what is that? Uh, 50, 55 or something, is it? Jesus. Dude, he's, he's so tiny. I think I've told the story before about like how I was rolling with him and he had Della Heaver and he had the ankle grip. And you know how like you kick your leg, you kick your leg back on that diagonal to strip the ankle grip. Mm. And I did that. And before my foot went back on the ground, he was up and had me in a double leg. Like that's how far, dude, he's so fast. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was a blue belt at the time, but still like I was a 90 kilo blue belt, you know, training at Fabio's gym. It wasn't like I was just a, a fresh chump blue belt. He's, he teleports, bro. It's like Nightcrawler out of X-Men. He just goes. <laughs> <laughs> I got one last question. And this comes from um, the two enforcer blue belts at your gym, Jake and Dan. <laughs> um, I can't get rid of them, bro. They no want to know what. why after a year of training nearly every day, you're still out of shape. And is your 10 year goal to eventually get to two full pull-ups? <laughs> <laughs> is that what they actually said? Yeah. 
<laughs> I'll show you the WhatsApp. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so it's funny. I'll tell you a funny story about Jake. Uh, it was that the other day Jake came in to train. Jake tries to get out of training as much as possible. And he came in to train. And, uh, and what did he do? Jake, yeah, Jake's a blue belt. And yeah, a good blue belt too, you know. And he did three five-minute rounds, which for those who don't train jujitsu is, is like nothing. That's like a, a very, very easy class. And he picked out the three injured white belts who were the guys who were like, oh, man, I can't really roll properly. Dude, and at the end of the class, <laughs> Jake, I've never seen his hair so wet. He was drenched in sweat. <laughs> limped out of the class. But... Uh-uh. They're not wrong. I can't do pull-ups. I mean, <laughs> Joey's seen it. I'm atrocious at pull-ups. Um, it's probably my strength and conditioning coach's fault. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I said at the start, I'm super bad at lifting. Um, but I don't know, like we, on, a, on a more serious note, we did speak about this that, um, and, and Jake, because Jake does, um, yeah, Jake and Dan are both, blue belts of mine and Jake does bulletproof with me with Joey and Jake has and myself have legitimately put the question to Joey like why is it that I'm like I'm not being silly I am very weak when it comes to lifting right I, I'm, I'm not strong at all at, at, at like pull and push movements but I'm super strong in jujitsu right like and Jake was asking why is it that I can like you know do weighted chin-ups for x amount of reps and adds Adam can't even do one Right. But then when we're on the mats, like, man, and he's got my sleeve and he's pulling and whatever, it's just I like it's Impossible. so strong, mm. you know, and we kind of chatted a bit about it. And um, I don't know if we came to a, a conclusion, but um, but yeah, I, don't, I think I'm jujitsu strong, but definitely not pull up strong. Yeah, it's an interesting <laughs> it's an interesting paradigm that you can be, you know, kind of weak in those weaker in those formalized strength movements, but then incredibly strong on the mats. But I think that it just comes down to um, your technique and, and that you, you just have exceptional technique, which allows you to express huge amounts of force at, at in the, the right time. time. At, yeah, in the right yeah. place. And that, and for, you know, for the untrained, or not untrained, but just for the person who's on the receiving end of that, it's like, oh, fuck, you're so strong. Whereas it's not really, and that's the beauty of jiu-jitsu, right? It's like, well, actually, it's not really strength. It's just, uh, it's, it's technique. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, kind of similar to like a, you know, a judo throw. Like if a judo throw is perfectly timed, like don't get me wrong, judo, like jiu-jitsu, does have a lot of strength involved. But, you know, a perfectly timed judo throw, like it's it's almost effortless, if yeah. you know what I mean. But mm. if you're on the receiving end, it feels like you just got thrown through a wall, mm. you know, right? Mm. You know, despite the guy having just perfectly gone, pop, and like, you know, kicked your feet out from underneath you because the timing and technique was so correct, right? Yeah. Makes sense. And I think it also goes back to that discussion about attributes and that you kind of, you use what you have. Yeah. And so like say for me, strength has always been something that I've naturally, like I've always felt naturally strong. And then when I started doing gym stuff, I, you know, I, I can, I'm kind of, you could say moderately successful with my gym training. So when I train jujitsu, I use that strength. Yeah. Yeah. But if I look at um, like as a typical example, smaller jiu-jitsu players who I know who don't naturally have, they might be strong for their size, but when they're training against someone like me, their strength isn't really a factor, Yeah, which forces them to develop much, like they, their technical proficiency is much greater than mine 
yeah. because they have to use that. Yeah. They have to rely on technique, whereas I can fall back on the strength. Yeah. So in a sense that, that that part of their game evolves where their technique gets super sharp. Yeah. I think it'll always be like that, right? You know, you when when you don't have strength to use, you're kind of forced to then have to invert and do all that, like the little person game. And that's why the littler guys are crazy technical. Like yeah. you look at guys like Musumeshi and all that, and they're just absurdly you technical. You see um, Mus- Mikey Musumeshi, he just entered the super heavyweight division of the next comp. Yeah, Pan Ams. I didn't see yet, but He's like in his 60 odd kilos. Yeah, he, well, he, and he's entered well I'm ultra, not sure what he is now, ultra but yeah, heavy. he fought. Are you allowed to? Yeah, you yeah. Know, yeah, you can you can enter. He won absolute last year. No, he didn't win the absolute, but he like he beat was it Muhammad he beat Muhammad Ali or maybe or was it kind of no he beat and Muhammad, he fought a I giant. Think. Yeah, and he, man, he's he wants to win an absolute, right? He would be the he would have to be like I'm not sure if this is factual, but I believe he would he would be if he wins an absolute, he would be the the smallest black belt absolute winner ever. I believe. Absolutely. It's the open weight category yeah, for open folks. Weight. Yeah. But um, I didn't see, do you happen to know what team he registered under? Cause he left Coyotera's team. Oh no, I don't. So people were like, Ooh, has he left to start a team on his own with his sister? Or, I don't know. Maybe Jungle Brothers should reach out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not super up to date with the, the news because it's owned by a, Flow grappling monopoly. I got it. It is that I, don't, that I got I don't another thought for. on your on the strength thing for you, uh, which is that um, you're a highly competitive individual in jujitsu, and not not to say that it's used irresponsibly, but I can you are very driven when it comes down to it, and you have a desire to express your your best performance. And, and the more, and I, I know this when we get into the really hard rounds mm. that like the, the, the intensity obviously elevates between us yeah. and it gets hyper competitive, um, which doesn't mean you're like that every role, right? Or with like a new white belt or yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. but you don't have that same fire for, for lifting. pull-ups yeah. or squats. So yeah. I, would, I would argue that if there were a way to transport that same fire to the gym, that you would be able to do those things. Yeah, perhaps, right? That's an interesting thought. I think it's a it's it's largely a mental drive. Yeah. Which is not a criticism, it's just an observation. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I would, yeah, I would agree because I definitely don't have a passion for pull-ups. <laughs> 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 I don't. I don't, don't, don't get me like. wrong, I love them like but it's you know, there's a lot of strength movements that um that it's like what do you say when I was asking you about working towards I think it was like a forehead to knees or, or something some sort of goal when you're working towards splits and you said it's like a meat factory sausage factory so, sausage factory no one wants to actually know what's involved to get <laughs> the end product yeah. right because if you knew you wouldn't eat the sausage right yeah. Yeah. um and you know it's there's so many strength movements that i think are beautiful but i don't think i would ever like i don't have enough desire or fire to put in the work like let's say like a muscle up man like muscle ups are awesome but i'm never you know i would love to yeah it's on my like hypothetical bucket list but you know i don't think it'll ever happen like deadlifting 200 kgs i'd love to be able to do that but and i know if it was if i had the fire i could get there it's not like i have any physical restrictions like i've got a dodgy back or something and it's not possible but i just don't have enough fire to put in the work for it and i don't think yeah, you know, there's lots of. I mean, I'd love to speak French, but you know, there's lots, <laughs> yeah. of, there's lots of things I'd love to be Norwegian, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. I don't have the fire for pull-ups. 
Do you guys have the fire for pull-ups? You like it? What's, had, what's your favorite lift? Or what's favorite. Your, yeah, what's your favorite strength movement? You know, whether it's a handstand, maybe something a bit more that's maybe not so mobility dependent. What's your favorite like strength exercise? Mm. Like for me, who doesn't do a lot of lifting and doesn't enjoy it, I, I, I like deadlifts. I do enjoy doing deadlifts, even if they're not heavy, right? I like the movement of deadlifts. What yeah. one do you enjoy doing? I, I go through like different ones that I'm interested in at different times. I like cleans, power cleans on the yeah. bar. Cool. Yeah, I like that. What about you, Joey? I don't really know, to be honest. I guess I like, um, I do like squat variations. Not necessarily, I like front squats and I like split squats and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of like that because, you know, my squat mobility has always been pretty good until this year. So, um, so yeah, it's been a, it's, it's a fun movement for me. Yeah, squats are hard, bro. Squats oh are. God. I mean, deadlifts is yeah. about as easy as it gets. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Like the bar yeah. travels about. Yeah, you know, like from That's like half a meter to seven hundred and fifty centimeters. Right? Yeah. I mean, and bicep curls, right? That's all, all about squats. the bicep yeah. curls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know squat. I don't enjoy the burn of squats. They're hard, hard. Yeah, pistol squats. Oh, ruined my day. <laughs> how, about, how about push-ups? How do you go with push-ups? Like, as if you guys aren't looking, normal push-ups, <laughs> fine. Proper Jungle Brothers push-ups, so, like they've- They're uh, good, you got, you got I, some. I can do them, because Joey's yeah. shown me how, but like without, I mean, most of the, most of the listeners, you know, I have probably trained here or seen what you guys do, so they've probably done them, they know what we're talking about, but for the people who don't, it's very different. I, would you classify it as like a gymnastics push-up or I don't know what you would label it, but it's different to what you think. Just, oh, just do a push-up. Like I had the guys at my gym do it the other night um, and I said, oh, guys, I want you to aim for three sets of eight to 10 reps, right? Yeah. But proper, you know, when we sure, went over how sure. to do them yep. and you guys know it's like, like even five is, if you if you don't do it all the time, five yeah. is hard until your technique starts failing, right? Yeah, for sure. So yeah. I can do them like the the, the push-ups. You can that, get up and down. Do here. Yeah. yeah, but even for me after five, like, you know, my hips start sagging sure, a little sure. bit, you yep. know, regular push-ups are like, whatever. Bust them out. But I don't mind the push-ups that you do here, but they are difficult. I don't think I enjoy them like deadlifts. They're very hard. They're very hard, but they're very good. I see the like, I enjoy that I almost feel like the instant result almost, you know, like I, I feel it, like it makes sense. But when I just like use all my energy to do one chin up, I'm like, why? <laughs> what a waste <laughs> this. <laughs> what a waste. <laughs> and now I, I'm tired. <laughs> I only asked about the push-ups because you have the long arms and they're often hard. It is, so. a long, it is a long way to travel. Yeah. Big it distance. Dan and Jake, those losers who sent through that ridiculous question. <laughs> yeah, they're always like saying stuff and I'm like, I'm like, man, I got further to go. Like what was it I did? Uh, so the other day, uh, Jake and I on Wednesday were doing Bulletproof and we went for a, a one rep max um, Harrop curl, right? They're called Harrop curls. Yeah. And they're horrible, horrible like one rep max exercise to do because we both like our calf muscles almost exploded and detached <laughs> from our knees, you know, like just cramped so hard. But, you know, it's for those who don't know, you measure like the way that you, it's measured in distance for how hard it is, right? And so I got to 94 centimeters. 
And then uh, we got Dan to do it at the gym and he had the same thing, his calves exploded. And then his, <laughs> their excuse was, oh, but your torso's longer, so of course you're going to measure longer. And I'm like, yeah, but then it's more mass that I'm picking <laughs> back up. And they're like, here you go again with the tall person yeah. excuses. And I'm like, it's physics, bro. <laughs> and get into this argument. You know? <laughs> I've spoken and to- just like, Imagine you're a Lego man. And <laughs> yeah, I'm like, let me tell you an analogy <laughs> that'll really make this make sense. <laughs> oh man, that's sick. Um, I enjoyed that jujitsu Q and A. It was good. Uh, I also enjoyed the the business conversation we had at the start. Mm. Bit of business for everyone. Yeah, bit of business. And a bit of jujitsu banter. We didn't really get talk. Um, you know, we only briefly mentioned like about more when we're talking about business, about training coaches and stuff in the jujitsu program here and, and everything we didn't. Cause I can't remember when I was last on, had you started jujitsu here or you were about to, it was, or if you had started it was super fresh. Would have been on. So um, we didn't really, wouldn't, maybe, maybe wouldn't have probably wouldn't have been at what it is now because we only really started the full, the full schedule as we call it on the, mezzanine at the beginning of this year mm, yeah, it was yeah 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 yeah. january so yeah it was it would have been um got to tee it up get me down for a class well we want to get you in for a workshop yeah how many people can you have upstairs at the moment and limited to 15 i think yeah we've got a 15 technically we can have more than that 18 yeah. 18 we just like buy square meterage but yeah. we just brought it down a little bit yeah just, just keep it keep, chill. give yourself that bit of wiggle mm. room yeah, yeah. 15 works that's about yeah. time isn't it 18. yeah yeah, we just got to tee up a time, bro. I'm down. Yeah, yeah fucking earth. Yeah. Teach them the uh, the infamous ACL destruction yeah. technique you this use. Is, this is, this <laughs> is how you ruin your training Guys, this works on really strong dudes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got a guy with great range of motion in his yeah. knees, quads as thick as tree trunks, still works. <laughs> <laughs> and don't get Proven. me started on the hamstring that replaced the ACL. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, man, can you, do you want to give a plug to, to your gym or your socials where people can find you at? Um, and where's the gym? The gym is in Rose Bay, right? Uh, it's just on Old South Held Road. Super easy to get to. Heaps of parking. It is called Alliance Sydney, right? So alliancesydney.com.au. Instagram is Alliance Sydney BJJ, uh, which is also my Instagram. I have a personal Instagram that, that I don't use. Everything's through the gym Instagram. You can see photos from the Pineapple Cup. Ooh. You can see my bulletproof socks. You know, you oh. can see, you know. Do you have bulletproof socks? No. No, no, oh, it's just that I just wear super colorful socks oh. when, when I come to bulletproof. <laughs> yeah. And now they're just officially bulletproof socks. But if I don't have color, colorful socks on at bulletproof, it's like weird. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, but yeah, Alliance Sydney or Alliance Sydney BJJ. And come check us out. Even if you train at another gym, if you just want to come down and do a class, there's none of that. You're from that team. No, no politics, no BS. Come down for a roll, do a class. The more the merrier. Sick. Wicked. Guys, thanks for listening today. If you enjoyed that episode, please uh, take a screenshot of it on your phone, share it, tag us up at Jungle Brothers Movement and share it with a mate, someone who might like to listen to it. Uh, there's some really good stuff in there and that'll help people's jujitsu journeys, but also will help us to uh, grow the podcast. Um, if you didn't know, we're now on Spotify, which is sick. So you can catch us on iTunes or any of the Google Pocket Casts or Spotify. Um, right there next to Joe Rogan. Just ask him about it. He'll tell you all about our episodes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Thanks for listening, Joe. Thanks, Panavor, for the coffee. And um, 
we'll catch you guys next week. Yeah, and just just before we go, just a quick shout out. Uh, congratulations on the nuptials to Jan- Dan and Jake. Looking forward to the wedding. Yes, boys, very <laughs> proud. And um, I'm in full support of it. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you. Yeah. See you, guys. <laughs>